Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be fed. What does it mean to live a life where you are fed by Jesus? Are you living that life right now? Hello and welcome to Pick Up Your Bible with Cynthia Papamani. Today, Cynthia continues her series on the Beatitudes and takes us deeper into the Word to tell us what it really means to be satisfied and fed by Jesus. Let's listen in. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Romans 5, verse 6. When Jesus was speaking these words to his disciples, he was talking to those who understood the true experiences of hunger and thirst. This reference and the intensity of this desperation that first century Jews were all too familiar with is perhaps lost on us. The disciples indeed understood what Jesus meant by seeking him out like one whose life depended on it. Jesus was establishing from the beginning of their relationship that this is what it took to be his disciple. Needless to say, though we may not be able to relate to the analogy being made here, we must not let our understanding fall short. The lesson still stands. Just like the one who hungers is not satisfied by anything but food, and the one who thirsts is not satisfied by anything but water, the disciple of Christ should have such a longing for him that it is satisfied by nothing but the true experience of Christ. He promises to reveal himself to the satisfaction of those who seek him. There is an inference here that we can make, and with any of the promises in the Beatitudes for that matter. If we are not fully satisfied in Christ, is it perhaps evidence of lacking in the seeking rather than in his revealing? This season, let's do some soul-searching that leads us to a keen awareness of our need for Christ's righteousness and saving grace. Let's seek it with the desperation and authenticity that Jesus refers to in this verse. Christ promises we will be satisfied in the fullness of him. And we're back. Cynthia, hello again. We are uh, this series now. Uh, we've been doing a few episodes. This is now, I believe, episode four, part four of the Beatitude series. Um, how many are do we have in total? Uh, there are eight. Eight. Okay, eight, so this yeah. is this is going to be our longest series to date. So we've, I think, we haven't gotten to eight before. It's been six each time we've done. It, I think, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think the have... spiritual blessings was seven. Okay, that's true. It was seven think, for yeah. that one. Mm-hmm. You're right. And then, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's uh, exciting that we're actually, uh, you know, we've had kind of shorter episodes for the last last few times. But even though those episodes were short, I feel like we've, we've been able to address so much in just that short amount of time. And so I'm excited to go through the questions for today. Um, and the topic that we're discussing today is obviously – uh, the part of Jesus' sayings in the Beatitudes, uh, the fourth one, which is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And like all the other Beatitudes, sometimes people misapply or misunderstand what's going on here. So, uh, Cynthia, I, I do want to ask you, l- let me just start off with this one. Uh, 
what does it mean to authentically seek righteousness? Because we talk about authenticity when it comes to this uh, to this phrase. Right. Um, that's a great, great question. I believe that if every Christian would ask this question and then would follow through, it would transform their walk with Christ. There are at minimum two aspects to authentically seeking Christ. One is knowing our need for mm. righteousness. And the second is knowing where to look hmm. for that righteousness. So let me attempt to make an analogy. In the process of aging, I have um, <laughs> had the obvious sign of that in my life has been my need for glasses to be able to read. Um, and it started off with this, you know, the slight blurring of letters that I could compensate for by just, you know, holding whatever I was reading just far enough from my face, which would then, you know, it would suddenly become clear. But that's getting harder and harder. And now my arm can't, you know, <laughs> stretch out far enough. Um, so now I'm in that season in life where I know and uh, fully accept my need for glasses to read almost anything. I can no longer depend on my ability to read. And I promise I'm going somewhere with this <laughs> analogy. Let's read uh, Romans 3, verse 23. Okay. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. Hmm. Trying to read that without glasses. That's why I had to slow down here. <laughs> Everyone, no matter their spiritual maturity, needs the grace of God to justify them of their sin. Every hmm. believer needs grace. No one can attempt righteousness on their own. In essence, there is um, there comes a time when you realize, you know, you can't stretch your arm out far enough. Hmm. And if I insist to read on my own, I will misread. I could misunderstand and I could be deceived. You know, this morning I was at the doctor's and um, I, I couldn't read the forms they needed me to sign wow. and I didn't have my glasses. So I had yeah. to depend on the person at the front desk to tell me, you know, what am I signing off on? So, hmm. you know, it's, um, it is dangerous for us to not be uh, with what we need. Yeah. Right. And for a believer, righteousness is is what we need the most. It's what holds our whole Christian life. Uh, our whole Christian life stands on this um, on this truth that our righteousness is in Christ. So until we realize the extent of this need, we cannot and we will not seek his righteousness hmm. authentically, right? And if we are yep. not seeking his righteousness, then we've settled for um, this mirage of self-righteousness. Yeah. So that's the first aspect I want to convey about uh, seeking righteousness. The seeking has to stem from the need for it. This mm. is what Jesus refers to in the verse when he says, the one who hungers and thirsts. Hmm. He is referring to this person who knows this need, who's desperate because of this need that he or she cannot obtain on his own. The other aspect to seeking Christ is knowing where to look. Hmm. Right. So if we if we read that verse again, and then the few 
verses that follow it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Yeah. What Paul is saying here is that God, the Father, is the reason, the cause, and the executioner of our righteousness in Christ Jesus. Hmm. We must know our need for true righteousness and also that it is only found in the grace of Christ. We Hmm. have no part in it. See, oftentimes I misplace my glasses. I'm still getting used to the fact that, oh, I need it to read. And I'll find myself um, either, you know, comfortably on a chair with the book or in the kitchen trying to read a jar and can't find my glasses anywhere. And so I just call out to the family, you know, who knows where my glasses are? (laughs) And the, the... assured response is, well, where did you last put them or where did you last use them? You know, even a child knows to ask, you know, where should I look? Hmm. Because this will, this helps us find it, right? Right. Um, There's no use looking through every room in the house if I left my glasses in the car or if I left them at a friend's house. You know, the, the seeking is only useful and fruitful if we are seeking where we should seek Hmm. or else you can spend a lifetime looking for something you'll never find. The Bible says Christ is our righteousness in first Corinthians uh, chapter one, verse 30, it says, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus who became, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and satisfaction and redemption. Hmm. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Matthew 6 verse 35, But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Unlike me, who can't tell my children where to look for my glasses, Hmm. the Bible is telling us where we should seek our righteousness in Christ. And when we seek for righteousness in him, we will surely find it. It's a promise. So to answer your question, I believe that authentically seeking righteousness means seeking and finding Christ to be the righteousness that you cannot be on your own. Okay. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And your, your story about the glasses resonated with me because last week I was told that I must get glasses and oh. <laughs> for very reading similar, or reading, reading, or? reading, reading, very similar to your story started, things started getting blurry. I was, but I was very stubborn for a long time until I made the decision to finally go in and get my eyes checked. So 
my glasses will be coming in soon. <laughs> so I feel like I'll run into a lot of the same problems you run, you run into. get multiple pairs. Keep one in the car, one in the bathroom, <laughs> one in the bedroom, one in the living room. That's become my solution. That, that and I still don't sense. have them when I need them. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Well, um, you also, I think... Part of this, uh, when when in your reading, you talk about being satisfied in Christ, and uh, to be very honest with you, this is a it's a struggle for me to understand this phrase uh, to see what this would look like. I think I get a sense of what feeling that is, but what does it look like when someone is fully satisfied in Christ? Is that even possible? I believe it is. Hmm. I don't think it comes naturally. Hmm. Uh, many of us Christians spend our whole lives trying to change ourselves for the better, right? Hmm. And trying to be like Christ is a noble and a biblical pursuit, but it's done in vain if it's done in our own understanding and power. We've somehow come to believe that waging war against sin means developing the discipline to make the right choices, the discipline to, you know, pray and read our Bible or um, our, um, uh, you know, changing our behaviors and thus our mm. propensity to sin. But this is not actually biblical. Hmm. Biblical salvation is not behavior modification. It is living out our righteousness in Christ through faith. Hmm. Um, in the book of Romans, chapters 7 and 8, um, Paul shares some great wisdom about the righteousness that is in Christ and that we cannot attain by our own means, right? Hmm. I'm going to read a few verses from this, but a word of advice to um, anyone who's trying to do this Christian walk is read Romans 7 and 8. Um, and reread it and study it um, until you understand what the difference is between us trying to live a righteous life and the righteousness of Christ, and how these, um, how our sin and the righteousness we have in Christ, how that plays out together, um, even though they are at odds. Paul just has some amazing wisdom here. But I also want to give a word of caution. Paul loves his long, confusing <laughs> sentences. Run and on don't sentences. Be, don't, be, <laughs> yes, don't be discouraged by that, right? In yeah. uh, John Piper uh, said this, you know, when uh, if we rake, we get leaves. When we dig, we find diamonds, hmm. right? I love that um, hmm. because much of the Bible um, is truth that we need to dig. You know, we can't just skim the surface of things, a lot of which we miss because, you know, we read it and we're like, okay, I think I got something. For the most part, I don't get it. Let's move on. You know, the truth in the Bible, you have to spend time, you have to wrestle with it. And so here's my effort to dig a little bit with, uh, with you guys and share a little bit of what I understand. So the chapter seven begins with Paul telling the brethren in Rome that they um, 
they no longer need to live under the weight of the Old Testament law. Mm. And before I move on, let me quickly define law for those who are unfamiliar uh, with the term or new to the Bible. Um, the Old Testament law was a moral code or a set of rules given to the children of God um, before the time of Jesus for them to follow in order to be righteous before God. Yeah. And Paul tells the, the believers um, that now that the Messiah has come and died for your sins and has been resurrected, you are now righteous before God because of your faith in this Messiah. Hmm. And so the natural response was, so what does that mean? Yeah, you know, what does does that mean considering the Old Testament law is now sinful? Or, you know, many Christians even today uh, look at the Old Testament law as, you know, useless, doesn't apply to us, you right. know, kind of downplays its importance. And uh, Paul addresses this in uh, chapter 7, verse 7. He says, um, Yet, oh gosh, where are my glasses? <laughs> um, I was going to say, should I read it? <laughs> but then I would have the same problem too. <laughs> yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Uh, what does he mean by this? Let's, you know, let's consider a school test. You know, mm. How does a student know if he's passed or failed? You know, right. The grader or the tester or teacher, whoever is giving the test, sets a passing grade or a mark. You know, and if right. you miss that mark, you fail. And you gather, you haven't learned the subject. And Paul is saying to the believer that the Old Testament law serves this purpose in the believer's life. It shows mm. us how we can try and try and we miss this mark. Yeah. You know, it shows us the deepness and the vastness of that chasm between uh, the believer and God. We spoke of that uh, a couple of episodes ago, a couple of episodes ago. You know, and then Paul then goes on to say in verse 18, um, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. You know, how disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> if an apostle of Christ who wrote most of the books of the New Testament in the thick of his ministry right. is unable to keep his body from sinning, you know, what hope do we have? What are our chances? You know, this body of sin and this constant war that's waging within, that's been the downfall of, um, of many you know, guilt of sin consumes the one who does not go on to read and understand the rest of the chapter, right? We read in verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Hmm. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus 
For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Hmm. One who is fully satisfied in the righteousness of Christ resists the urge to be the savior of their own soul. Wow. Resists the urge to be a participant who takes that exam again and again to be called a failure. No, the law no longer judges us. It only serves as a mirror to show us that we cannot depend on these bodies of death to Mm. make us righteous. And we take no pride in being our own heroes, but give thanks to God who saved us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul goes on to say that if we focus on our ability to fulfill the law, that is, if we look to ourselves for righteousness, it will kill us. That pursuit is in vain. Hmm. In John 6, verse 35, Christ says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So the one who is fully satisfied in Christ is the one who goes to him and believes in him in all seasons of life. Yeah, wow. And it's interesting when uh, Paul says, who shall you know rescue me from this body of death? Uh, like you said, the answer most of the time as human beings we give is just work harder, you know, mm-hmm. or do better. Mm-hmm. And in, in fact, Paul says, Jesus, Christ Jesus is the answer uh, mm-hmm. to that question. Uh, it's powerful. So for my last question, um, you know, you say if we are not satisfied in Christ, is it perhaps evidence lacking in seeking rather than his revealing. Okay. So how much of the seeking is up to me? Um, You know, are you saying this to those who are Christians or those who aren't when you say that? Ooh, this question. I will refrain from entering a discussion on providence or election, even though you may have been luring me there. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly because these verses in Matthew are not addressing the unbeliever. Mm. Jesus was talking to his disciples um, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount when he was sharing the Beatitudes. And as per our discussion over the past few weeks, he's referring to the one who is poor in spirit, who is mourning this spiritual depravity, who has been humbled by it and is now thirsting and hungering for uh, the righteousness of God. And to this believer, Christ does not hold himself back. Hmm. Rather, promises to reveal himself when sought out in truth. So what is it to seek him? Hmm. Is he ever lost that we must find him? Does he hide? Is there a place where he is not already present? The psalmist says in chapter 139, if I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. God is everywhere. Yet the Bible tells us to seek him. Hmm. Why? The truth is that we come in the way of seeing him. Our disbelief our wrong understanding, our pride, our insistence um, in seeing him manifest in particular ways, we rake and come up with leaves when we're mm. supposed to dig and find dig. Diamonds, diamonds. You know, yeah. 
Thank you, John Piper. I'm going to use that one today. (laughs) (laughs) We can cloud our minds, right, to the extent that we can no longer experience the omnipresence of God. Hmm. We cannot find God's path if we are so focused on our own path. You know, we cannot understand God's no if we are only listening for the yes. So the call to seek is to is the call to set your mind with intentional and focused purpose, um, the purpose of finding him. It mm. takes this intentionality to consistently experience the presence of God. And I will also say that this intentionality in seeking it's a gift from God. Yeah. But that gift is available to all believers through the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. The Holy Spirit leads and guides us. The Bible says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. The Spirit enables us to seek that which is above. So yes, the seeking is up to me in that I need to surrender to the Spirit who's teaching me all things. Hmm. And we can know for a fact that not one who has ever sought the Lord in the Spirit or is genuinely seeking the Lord in the Spirit uh, will go without finding Him. Um, I will close with this verse, Colossians 3 Uh, Actually, a couple of verses, one and two. Mm -hmm. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. These verses remind us that any earthly solution, including our own righteousness, even any solution that we can find in ourselves, other than righteousness, they're but sinking sand. He mm. alone is the solid rock on upon which we can stand. Wow. Awesome. Thank you. And, you know, I wasn't really trying to lure you into <laughs> a discussion on election. That's the uh, intense one. <laughs> but uh, I, think, I think our listeners appreciate all of your answers. So thank you so much, uh, Cynthia. Uh, again. Um, so obviously, like I said before, this was the fourth installment in this series. So would you tell us what we're going into for next week? Ooh, blessed is the pure in heart for they will see God. Ah, okay. Yes. Blessed are the pure in heart. Very nice. Um, great. And as always, listeners, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And Remember that there's always a new episode every Wednesday. Uh, to stay up to date, you can always subscribe to this podcast, turn on your notifications, so that you always know when the next episode comes out. And if you'd like to ask Cynthia a question or offer suggestions on a future episode topic, please email her at Cynthia at PickUpYourBible.com. And listeners, may you experience the knowledge, wisdom, and love of God as you join us and pick up your Bible. Until next time, God bless you.